welcome to Woman Up, everyone. Our purpose of this podcast is to connect women from all over the world with the most powerful tool of storytelling. Once a week, a wonderful woman will share her journey with us, focusing on different aspects of her life, aspects that each and every one of you will be able to relate to and learn from. We're all connected in this life, and what better inspiration than your woman next door? Let's find the next woman together. And we're back. It's episode 15. Every we are on a roll. Every week, everyone, we bring you a dynamic woman from another part of the globe. This one is also close to home. She's in Edmonton, Alberta. Born and raised, Chantelle, into an average family with average struggles. It wasn't until she battled through addiction and self-destruction, she realized she was meant to be extraordinary. Chantelle shares her story about addiction and how it gave her the strength to heal from trauma and live up to her potential. Through love and connection, we can change the world together. Chantelle Monteith, welcome to the Woman Up podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of this community and uh, to just connect with other women. How amazing is this that we're, we're working together to do that? So we brought you to the podcast to share your story. This is a network, again, where we're bringing women together that have something really powerful to share. And when we spoke together, again, we connected about a year ago, I believe, if that's how long it's been since uh, we got connected by our mutual friend. And I knew from the moment that I spoke with you and what you were guiding me into at the time that you had something special. And that's why I wanted to reach out to you. And then learning more about your backstory and what brings us here today is the topic of addiction and finances. I'm going to leave it short to there. So if you could give us a little bit of background as to what addiction is, what addiction you had, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Uh, So for addiction, anybody listening to this, I can almost guarantee there's someone in your life who has some type of addiction and they can come in many different ways, right? And more often than not, we switch one for another. Now, through what I've learned in classes I've taken, people that I've met is The reason why we are addicted to something is we're lacking connection in some area of our life that we, we need direly. And so I didn't know what my, what uh, I was missing back when I started. So being in the trades, so you grow up in Alberta and uh, you want to make good money. They tell you to go be in oil and gas. So that's where I went. And I worked with a lot of people who were miserable. They spent a lot of time away from their families, right? Working 14 and seven, 24 and four, they don't have a life. They live in a camp. People, they, they feed you terrible food. So of course you feel awful inside and out. You work in terrible conditions. And then people start to reach to drugs and alcohol and things like that. And at the time it was connection with another human is what I was missing in my life. So I didn't really have that from being in my childhood. And so I started dating this gentleman and he was into cocaine quite a bit. And I wanted the connection to happen so bad that I decided that I was going to partake. And that's where it grew. And it felt like love. It felt so amazing. We were high and it never stopped. It was like just this constant being high, right? Like the version of the honeymoon phase, I guess it would be. And so a relationship was built on the drug. And then it got to the point where one of us got fired. And then the drug started escalating. And then he started to sell it and then I started to bankroll that and because I was still working and he wasn't I ended up paying for everything and I just really really wanted this relationship to work where I just kept partaking in it 
And then eventually it didn't work anymore. And I decided that I was going to be sober and I wasn't going to live that life. And I was doing so well. I was the healthiest I had ever been. I worked out twice a day. I took care of myself. I, I seemed really happy. And then one day I just decided I wanted to, to get high and not feel feelings anymore. And that was the, the tip of the iceberg. That's where it all started. And then it just rolled downhill from there. So at first it would be with a couple friends. And then it got to the point where all day, every day I needed to be high and it was by myself. It wasn't really party related. It was, I need to drown every feeling that I have and I need to be 100% numb. So I would get high and quite of copious amounts. It wasn't just a little bit here and there. It was quite a bit that I'm surprised my body survived at all. Obviously there was a reason I'm still here and I would do productive things. So I didn't feel like I had an issue. I would renovate my rental property. I would work on vehicles. I would do all of these things. So I would trick myself into believing that it wasn't that bad. And then it got to the point where I couldn't not do it every single day it was happening. And then I was starting to miss work because I wasn't sleeping. So I would be up for like three days and then I would miss a day because my body wouldn't get up because I'd eventually fall asleep. And then again, the same thing would happen for an entire 14 day shift. And luckily I didn't get fired, but they laid me off. And so I didn't take that as a sign that I needed to stop. I took that as a, oh, now I have more time to get high. <laughs> so then not working, I decided that I was going to start selling, right? Let's, let's, you know, start selling so that I can just have more of my possession. Not a good idea. <laughs> but so that was kind of my life for a little bit. And then actually a person in my family, her and I started connecting over it, which, you know, was, is kind of terrible now that I think about it, but she's clean too, which is great. So her and I spent a lot of time together and that again, the connection, we were connecting over the drugs again, right? So then it got to the point where I was having these mini overdoses. So what I mean by that is I would be standing up and then next thing you know, I'd wake up and I was on the floor. My brain due to the lack of sleep and probably nutrients in my body, it would just shut off for a split second. And then I come back too. And that's a scary feeling, especially when you wake up and you got a bruise on your face because you hit your face on something. So that was pretty scary at first. And that's kind of where my heartstrings were tugging because this person that I loved, they saw this happen. And that's where I think it started to shed some light that I, ha I had a problem and I needed to stop. And then I was with a friend of mine. And unfortunately, this friend ended up actually passing away from the drug use. But at the time, we were just hanging out and we were working on vehicles and planning for the future and definitely high. And four days had gone by. And then that cousin had come over and uh, I had went and had a shower and the shower was so hot that it boiled my brain. Nothing happened in the shower, but I got out of the shower, I got dressed and I sat there and then I had a seizure. So because I was so hot and the lack of sleep and the copious amount of drug use, I had a seizure right in front of this cousin, this person that to this day, her and I are, I feel like we're soulmates. There's just a connection there that I have with no other human. And then I wake up in an ambulance and of course I'm crying, right? Mostly from shame. And I'm telling myself, you know, I'm never going to do this again. And I'm apologizing to this person when they only care that I'm just alive. And then two days later, I was high again. Obviously it wasn't enough. And then I just continued to do it. And because I had people around me that I was connecting with, so to say, and then I met this gentleman and... Again, we connected over drugs again. Also another person who, who decided that they were going to sell. And it's a terrible relationship when the drug addict is dating the drug dealer. 
And so that went on for a few, a few months. And then I, I thought what we had was real and I really wanted to, you know, have a family. So I told myself, I'm like, well, drug addicts can't have healthy children, can't build healthy lives. So I was like, decided I was going to be sober. So July 1st of 2018, decided I was going to be sober. And I made it almost six months. It was wonderful. Now, in that six months, I decided I needed a new career because being in the oil field is what was the struggling part because everybody I worked with was getting high or talking about it or uh, just downright miserable, right? There was no good positive connections there. And that's when I was introduced to World Financial Group, the finance company that I work with now, and my business coach, Ben. So this man, he basically introduced me to a better life. Now, I never thought I was worth it. So that was really tough to kind of get over that hump. But he said, you know, I'll hold your hand and I'll teach you everything you need to know. You just have to show up. And I said, okay. So I didn't really show up because I was still stuck in this, like, am I going to be sober? Is this relationship actually going to work? Is he ever going to stop selling drugs? So I was still working construction and then I was laid off and I was so lost because I, I was struggling with my identity. I was a, I was a drug addict and now I'm trying not to be. Well, how do you Try not to be something without getting some kind of guidance there. And of course, I didn't have money to go to rehab, right? I was told it's very expensive. So things started to kind of spiral out of control there. I lost the job, so I got laid off, and then I couldn't pay my bills. So I started to sell everything. I sold everything, like my couch, my TV, everything. And at the time that I was dating this guy, I didn't have the confidence enough to ask for help, right? I was a terrible person. I'm a drug addict. So I don't deserve help at the time. I don't believe that anymore. And so he didn't offer me any help and he was living with me and it was just, I felt terrible. I was at an all time low and him being a dealer, there was bags of cocaine kind of sitting around the house just randomly. And you can only imagine how hard that would be for someone who's trying to be sober when just getting high would make all the problems go away. Right. And an alcoholic doesn't go into the same bar that he's been afflicted with every day and still stay sober, right? So I, for weeks, I just, I saw these, these bags sitting on my dresser and I didn't touch them. And then I didn't touch them and I didn't touch them. And then one day I was like, fuck this, pardon my language. And I did it. Took that whole bag and, and I felt amazing. I'm like, this is exactly what I needed. I have no more problems. And then I couldn't stop. So then I stole that one and then I knew where he kept the rest of it. So I stole that stuff. And then next thing you know, I've been out for three days and it's New Year's Eve and we go to a party and I get, this is a group of friends who they've got cocaine all over the house always, right? Didn't matter if Chantel's sober or not, we don't give a shit. And that I still put myself in that position. And so the boyfriend made a comment. He's like, your, your pupils are really dilated. Right? Cause he would thought it would be weird that I was high. Cause I, I told him that I wasn't and I just ignored it. And I just went along with the party and then I really wanted to go see this other friend. So I decided I was driving cause I don't drink. So, you know, if Chantel's not high, technically high, she could drive, right? She doesn't drink. And so we're driving to Fort Saskatchewan and there's a snowstorm at, a, at the time I had a big jacked up truck. And next thing you know, I woke up and I was in an ambulance. So I had a seizure while I was driving. There were three other people in the vehicle. And four people died that day. And the reason why I say that is because the Chantel that used to get high died that day. And she doesn't live, she's not a longer exist. And those relationships of those three other people, they died too. Those people don't exist either. 
And so luckily one of them grabbed the steering wheel and the other one jumped in the front seat and hit the brake. There were no other cars on the road. So nobody got hurt. And that was the best day of my life up until now. I woke up in the ambulance. I was so full of shame. I had to call my mom so she could come pick up the truck because nobody could drive it. And then we get to the hospital and I was so filled with shame. I didn't even go inside. Like the ambulance people didn't even make me go inside. I was just like, I'm going home. Screw this. And then I went home and that boyfriend screamed and yelled at me. Well, it felt like for an hour. And I just sat there and I took it because I felt like a big bag of crap. And there were holes in the walls and everything like that. And then ever since that day, I just decided that that's not me anymore. And so I started to spend more time with Ben, my business coach. And I would go to the office and hang out with him. And I didn't do anything, you know, like he'd tell me I needed to, you know, make some contacts and talk to people because how is anyone going to know what I do? But I just wanted to be around him because he made me feel like I wasn't a worthless piece of crap. And he's like, Chantel, you can do such amazing things. You know, you're, you're so happy and bubbly and positive and people like being around you. And I thought he was crazy. I'm like, that's not who I am. What are you talking about? And then that relationship that I was in was falling apart, right? I was struggling so hard because I wanted to be sober, but I also wanted to be high. And I felt like because of what I did, I stole, I lied, I almost killed people. I didn't deserve any help. And that's one thing that all addicts struggle with. We all believe that we don't deserve any help. So if you have somebody in your life who is an addict, they need your love and help by cutting them off or enabling them. Those are exactly the same thing. Do not do either of those things, but they need to know that you're there to help and that they can ask you because they don't ask because they feel like they don't deserve it. And so I never asked for help and we were going downhill and that was a blessing in disguise because eventually I just waited till he left and then he left and that was it. The old Chantal was gone. Everything that was attached to her left, got up and left and walked out of my life. And it was the second best day in my life, I guess, because ever since then we had a contest at our office. So we do skills building, right? How the heck are you going to become a financial advisor and become a, a person who connects with people if you don't practice? So we have a contest where we, we practice our skills and we won. We won. I worked my butt off and we won. There's a video of me like jumping up and down, screaming and yelling. I got this big trophy and my name is on it. And ever since then, boom, I knew. I knew I was going to be able to change lives through financial education. And I've been sober since January 2nd of 2019. And I haven't looked back ever since. I don't think ill of anybody who has an addiction or anything like that. And I refuse to say once an addict, always an addict. If you say that, I... I'm sorry, but you should stop saying that because it's not true. If you are not an inactive addiction right now, you are no longer an addict. You need to let that go. Let that shit go because it's not true. I am no longer an addict. I was. That is not a part of my life or my identity anymore. And it feels amazing. And honestly, the more people I tell this, even clients, for a while I had a, a reserve about sharing it. I'm like, oh, these people aren't going to, they're not going to respect me as their financial advisor if I tell them I was a drug addict. But when I do tell them, instantly shoulders drop and they're like, wow, this person's a real person. So if you have a story, you need to share it, especially if it's, if it's something like that. And that's why you're here. It takes balls. It takes guts to share your story and express how you feel around something that you've gone through with you is that you did it by yourself, especially being addicted to a hard drug. It's not easy. So whatever bad events had to happen, they kept occurring, like the, the same thing, like it was, it was happening over and over again until you snapped out of it. And that's, I think you're few and far between 
that that can happen, but also very powerful that you have that willpower within you to get through what you did. And I mean, you did have help. You just didn't have that traditional rehab help, correct? Yep, absolutely. The The help was, was love. And it's so funny, this word shows up every single day. And not just like, I tell people I love them because I really do, but I have a, this desk that I'm sitting at. It says love in every language. And I knew I had to have it. And somebody asked me the other day what my gift was. And I said, love. And they, the room roared. As soon as I said it, they were like, absolutely. Absolutely, your gift is love. And that's why I am where I am today. Because Ben, he loved on me. That man, if I if he wasn't for him, I'd be dead for sure. And then he showed me that I could love other people. And then they gave me a community of regular people who just wanted to be better. And it wasn't just about addiction. It was just about whatever they were afflicting in their life. So, you know, it wasn't as, as extreme as like going to like NA or something, which I, I didn't do. I didn't feel comfortable in a room full of, of high people, but having that connection. And that's what I ended up learning in a class I took. So in Edmonton, we have a place called the Mental Health and Addiction Center. If you have any affliction, you need to go there. It is free service. And they offer all different types of classes, counselors, therapists, everything. This is paid public service, right? And so I took this class called How to Have Healthy Relationships with Yourself and Others. Now, that doesn't that sound great? Is Why is that not taught in elementary school? Beyond me. But so the only thing I remember that this lady said, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It is connection. So since that moment, I have worked on having connections with people. And how do you do that? You listen, you talk, you share and be vulnerable, which is something I'm learning. And being vulnerable is not that easy, but the more vulnerable you are, the stronger and powerful you become. And so by taking classes like that, and then I, I decided that I wanted to really dip into spirituality in the personal development world. So I became a part of the integrity community. And that's where I learned how to let go of the traumas that were still afflicting me. And if anybody hasn't done any like childhood work or, you know, parent work, anything like that, I definitely suggest it. It's the most freeing thing in the world. One thing that really stands out is my voice. So I think I have a very distinct, loud, kind of raspy type voice, and I didn't really like it. Um, I always loved to sing, but I never thought I was any good. And anytime I would sing, my throat hurt, always. So I don't know, closed chakra or something. But so I, I attended this class called Level 2. It's not a fancy name, just, just Level 2. And we did some parent work. So we let go and released a lot of energy. I screamed so loud, ladies, I had no voice at the end of it. Nothing. There was nothing coming out. <sighs> like, that's what it was. Now, my voice was reborn that day. Ever since then, ev almost every day, someone compliments me on the sound of my voice, the tone of it, and my singing, which is crazy. So, like, just by realizing that there are traumas there, we've all gone through them, and deciding to do the work to change it, it just ends up leveling you up. Now, since that moment, conversations I have with people, with you ladies, with random people that I meet, I love meeting strangers. They're just the most interesting people to me. Now the connection is so much stronger. And it's just amazing that I decided that love and connection were going to be my life. And, and through that, that's what goes into finances, right? How is anyone going to trust you if you don't have a connection with them? That's the very first thing that I do. Sometimes that might take me a few days, might take me a few hours. Like it just depends on how I can get someone to open up. But uh, that's the biggest thing. And I think the rest of the industry is losing out on clients and, and helping people and making a difference because they don't connect, right? Whereas if we go to the traditional banking system, nothing against them. I do partner with them. But 
you know, it's about getting somebody in and getting them out. Whereas mine, I let's build this relationship forever. We're going to be friends forever. I want to be able to help you, your kids, your grandkids, everybody, right? And then listen to them, right? Not many people go into the bank and tell them like what they're afflicting with. They're just like, I can't pay my bills. And the bank's like, well, too freaking bad. Whereas it's like, okay, well, why can't you? What, where is this coming from? What is the actual reason? Let's kind of take a look at, at everything there. And usually it just comes down to the unhealthy relationship that I have with money. If we look at any affliction in our life, it's an unhealthy relationship with something. And money is, it's just taboo. Most people don't talk about it. They grow up in a household where they don't talk about it. And if we don't talk about it or we don't know anything about it, how do we teach anything about it? Our parents can't teach us what they don't know, right? And we don't know what we don't know. So my focus and the focus of my team is we talk about the relationship and how we can improve it, right? And we give people back that power. Money does not run you. Money doesn't own you. You control money. It might not be grown on trees, but, you know, the, your hands, your brain, everything, this, it makes money for you but you have a control over it. It doesn't control you. It just helps you live the life that you want, right? Money can't buy happiness. That's true, but it can buy you things that you enjoy. So if we give up our power, same with drugs. If I give up my power, then I'm sitting in a a space of victim and then I'm going to be miserable, right? So if we take back our power with money and we improve that relationship, right? You know, in the car, right? I always crave coffee when I'm driving. Well, if I can work with a client of mine to, you know, remind them, hey, make your coffee at home, which, you know, I'll send little reminders, things like that. When they tell me things that afflict them, then something like that, we can change that, right? Well, I like Starbucks, so $7 a day. If I can help somebody save $7 a day, that that's a huge impact in their life. So little things like that. It just comes down to the relationship and simple, right? Like, I'm not going to lie. When I work with someone and help them budget and teach them how to track their spending, things like that, that kind of stuff doesn't pay me anything. I'm okay with that because I'm building a relationship, right? So they're going to come back eventually. And hopefully they tell all their friends about, about the fiery redhead who helped them with their money. <laughs> so that's where we start. And then we progressively move on, right? There's a six-step system. So cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out. Then we work on debt management, right? Because the world is revolved around debt. And I want you guys to think about this. Debt is a bad habit. That's all it is. It's just a bad habit that you're afflicted with right now. And we just got to change it, right? And it it can be so debilitating. It doesn't matter if it's $500 or $500,000, but you're not alone. There's someone here to help you. And then we go to an emergency fund. So we know that it's a matter of when, not if. Something will always happen, no matter what. If you're a renter and you buy a home, you're like, oh, I'm going to save so much money. Newsflash, something's going to go in the home. You're going to want to change something. You're going to want to buy something, right? So when somebody tells you they want to buy a house and they're like, we only need $20,000 down. I'm like, yeah, you need $5,000 for brand new stuff because you're, you got a new home. You want to want to buy brand new things. You're going to want to change something. You need lawyer fee, all of these things, right? Where people don't really think of that, right? Or what if the hot water tank goes when you move in? Things like that. And then if we don't have the emergency fund, we always go back to the debt. Debt is not an emergency fund. Your credit card is not for emergencies. It's just there to help you build credit as a tool for later on. <laughs> Uh, and then we move into protection. So my favorite way to explain protecting yourself. Now, I am the money-making machine for my family. In construction, I use my hands. They've been beat up so bad, my back, everything. I am literally a money-printing machine. If you turn me off, my family wouldn't have anything, right? So 
if I could buy insurance to protect me, to protect my money machine and it broke and that, that would pay to fix it, wouldn't I do that? Right? So having proper protection, it's not just life insurance. It can be life insurance. It can be disability. So if you were to get hurt, you know, like COVID's a thing, there's a COVID insurance now. And then critical illness, you know, my mom had a heart attack six years ago. She went bankrupt. She's still trying to pay that off now because the doctor said she couldn't go back to work. And I've heard this story by so many different families. And it's, you know, it's not their fault they had a heart attack. You know, unfortunately, she's not the healthiest person, but she didn't call in. Let's, you know, I want to be bankrupt. I want to be broke for the rest of my life. Right. So if we can protect ourselves from that kind of stuff and then we want to work into building wealth. Right. More often than not, I see people putting money into their investments, but they also owe money on a credit card. Well, if a credit card's 20 percent and you're getting 5 percent on your investments, you're giving away 15 percent of your money all the time, all the time. And it's something that people don't even realize. So let's let's stop giving away free money because <laughs> it's yours. Remember, money printing machine back hurts because I made the money. So we want to build the wealth properly and then we want to preserve it, right? Once we get into our golden years, whatever that means, freedom 55, 65, whatever somebody wants to do, we want to make sure that the money we made doesn't go into, go all to the government in taxes. And if we're leaving something for family, we want to make sure that we're not leaving a tax bill because the government always dips their hands in there, right? So we got to remember that just because we're leaving money for the kids or the grandkids, the government's going to take some of that. So if we can do it in a way where they're not going to take as much, then we can ensure that you know, our hard-earned money kind of works. So that's basically what I do when I sit down with someone. The connection, building the friendship, getting them to see that, you know, money is not is not scary. It doesn't have to rule your life. You have control over it. And then I teach them how to dream again. When, you know, I ask them what their goals are. I want to be debt-free. Okay, well, what else do you want to do? What do you, what else do you want to do? What kind of, I want to buy a house. What kind of house? Do you want to have a, a garage? Do you want to have a, a bathtub big enough, you know, to fit two people in? Because I want one of those. <laughs> Do you want to have a jacuzzi? Where do you want it? Do you want to have a vacation home? Do you want to take your kids on a trip every single year across the world? What do you want to do? Right? We need to dream bigger because we forgot how to dream. And then we just work together. I keep them accountable, give them that proverbial kick in the butt when they need it and help them achieve their goals. And it's a very up and down roller coaster type of ride, but it always will be just like anything. But uh, when it comes to money and finance, nobody's alone. Every sad angry, frustrated feeling you feel about money. Everybody's going through it. Everybody's going through it. And one thing that I can say is don't be afraid to ask for help. I, I could have been sober a lot sooner if I asked for help. And you know, the universe works in mysterious ways and it, timing, divine timing, right? I definitely believe in that. But yeah, ask for help. We need it. We need it. And you deserve it. Every single person in the world deserves help and love. Just to do a quick recap here, because there are so many important information. First of all, not every connection is a good connection because basically you are the average of the five people you have around you. So be smart about who you are around. I mean, again, not mean drop your friends, but take a closer look to who you're hanging out with because if it doesn't serve your purpose of where you wanna go, then change it. And then again, what I would like you to do is with bullet points, just mention again the steps that you go with your firm in terms of, what do you guys do when the client comes to you? Just a bullet point, because you said it was six of them. Just one more time so our listeners have the time to write it down. Obviously, we'll have your information in the show notes to reach out and have a session with you, but just in case, so they're prepared with their questions. So one more time, bullet points, go. Awesome. Okay, so the six steps of financial independence. Step number one is cash flow. What's coming in and what's going out. And if our 
cash flow coming in is different than the cash flow going out, that's where we need to course correct and come up with a plan. If we don't start there, if we don't have that foundation, it's just going to crumble. So step number two, this is debt management, right? Debt is a bad habit. So together we need to work on eliminating that debt out of your life. And then step number three is emergency fund. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And then step number four is proper protection. You are the money-making machine for your family. We need to protect you. If anything were to happen, the qual their quality of life will greatly decrease. And then step number five is build wealth. So your money should be your little worker bees and it should be working for you because you work really hard for it. And then step number six is preserve wealth. You spent many years working your butt off to create a life and to enjoy retirement, whatever that means to you. Let's make sure that you're getting to keep what it is that you earned. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Chantel. Well, I think the most hot topic lately is finance and freedom. And what does it really mean? And what is it? And it's such a hot topic. You see influencers and YouTubers and this and finance and freedom and this and that. But in in your experience and in your in your words, what, what would you define as finance and freedom? What is the definition of that? Because you listen to it, but what, what does it truly mean? That's a very good question. So more often than not, I ask somebody, what, what is their goal? They're like, I just want to be comfortable. You know, I don't want too much money. Like, what does too much money mean? What do you mean you just want to be comfortable? Like, I don't want to work my butt off to be comfortable, like just scraping by. Freedom to me is not having to look at my bank account. It just does its thing. And I just do my thing, right? I don't want to have to budget my charity contributions. I don't want to, when I go to the grocery store, when it says, do you want to donate? I say every time, because good juju, bring it in, bring it in. But I don't want to be like, oh, do I have that $2, you know? Like, so, so freedom to me is not having to worry about what's in the bank. And I can just do what I want to do and be of service to other people, right? And I think other people need to take the time and decide what's actually going to make them feel fulfilled. Is being just comfortable going to be what makes you happy, right? And more often than not, the more money somebody makes, the more that they spend, right? So the freedom, they'll never achieve it if they don't go back to, again, those six steps. We've got to do those first because if more money comes in, more money's just going to keep going out and out and out and out. So working with people and actually, you know, getting through these six steps, what I've noticed is what freedom means to them is they have somebody in their corner where they can call anytime and ask a question and know that they're not going to get left behind. So that's kind of what I've noticed for financial freedom for people is they're set up properly and they have somebody in their corner and they, they feel free because they don't have that stress and anxiety. Like, what am I going to do? They know that there's somebody there to take care of them. I feel that safety right now speaking to you. And I did the first time that we spoke as well a year ago. Whoever's listening, as Chantel said, it's okay to ask for help. Please ask for help. I said that today on my Instagram story. I'm a wellness coach. I love helping people too with their goals of how to become the healthiest version of themselves, not just physically, mentally. And that money piece is hugely involved in there. So when my clients come to me with money issues and saying, I can't afford you, Adonia, I'm going to say, go talk to Chantel <laughs> and then come back to me because we all need each other, right? And that's what I love about, again, this channel because we're educating people as to where they can ask for help. 
Awesome. I love that. And you've admitted it to yourself. That's the first step, right? And I love getting phone calls where someone's just asked a question. I don't need to get something out of it other than I know that people trust me. So um, I feel that way with like my, my family too, is everybody's terrible with money. I am the only person I think in my family that has ever, you know, made the oil field money. And uh, I didn't know what to do with it either. Like I'm not even, I made 150 grand before when oil was good and I bought a house. That's all I had to show for it. And I'm like, what the heck? And then you go to making, now that the, the industry's changed, you make 80 if you're lucky. What the heck did I do with all that money? <laughs> right? It's like, oh my goodness. And there's no one there to teach us, right? If I would have known that at 20, at 20 years old, if I would have put 25 bucks away a month, I could have millions of dollars in the next 10 years. What? How come nobody ever told me that? Or how come nobody ever smacked it in my head? Like I'm sure at 20, I wouldn't have listened, but you know what I mean? If it was normal, if it was talked about in, in elementary and junior high, how to save and how to invest. Cause like my dream is to get into the school system. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I, I want to get in there and, you know, just teach kids about how piggy banks work, you know, and how interest works, things like that, make it more, less consumerism and more saving, hopefully. But yeah, our, uh, we definitely need to educate more on the savings and investing part so that people can start early. A hundred percent. And We'll chat about that. We have some plans as women up too, because it is important. And it's what you said, look, maybe in your 20, you wouldn't have done it. And it's okay. We have to go through through our lives and through experiences to, to understand what is it that we want and to understand what, how we want to spend our money or what is it that we want from life. Once we find our purpose, I would say, then it becomes way more easier to control and I guess manipulate your money in a sense. And not manipulated in a bad way, but you know, what is it all? So Chantel, time is like running by so fast when we talk about interesting stuff. I want to ask you, what is success to you? So I measure success by the service that I give to people. So I, I grew up poor and I always wanted to have money and money's great. Like I said, like I've made money, I've had it. I've bought things that I don't really need. Uh, I'm more of a minimalist now. Like I like to give things away and watch how those feelings feel about giving it away and letting it go. So it's not about things and it's not about stuff. It's about how I can help other people. So in my coaching, so with Ben and the rest of our team, we talk a lot about stories, right? Like you need to share your story. And the more I share it, I feel like that is an act of service to other people. So by being here, this makes me feel like I'm living my success. Being here with you guys, being invited to speak and sharing it. I have this vision of myself of being a motivational speaker. I want to talk in front of hundreds of thousands of people, share my story. And I want every single word and every single feeling and energy that I have to hit people right in the heart and like, let's go. I can do it. And to me, that's success, how you're reaching out and, and touching people and through love. I can, I can feel that vibration through, through the waves though. Like I'm, I'm such an empath. And I pick up on energy because I'm so intuitive too. So it's just like, if you could see my spine right now, it's like, zoop, because it's real. And that's how my body responds to me when there's connection and going through all of that. Life is all about relationships, whether it's money, whether it's a, your mom, whether it's your boyfriend, whether it's your girlfriend, whatever the case may be, it's your neighbor. So I hope Woman Up can also be a channel with all you amazing women for people to reach out to and start living in less fear. Money scares the shit out of me, it always has. And I think maybe because I've never 
had enough, whatever status quo was. But I do want to be like both of you, and you both have said it. I want it in the bank, and I don't want to worry about it. I don't want it to be driving me into stress and into depression. I want it to be there and ready to go. So if you're like me and you want that as well, like Evie and like Chantal, then let's connect together and do that. Evie and I are always on the phone every other day bringing ideas to the surface. How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? And I think it's also putting action to your words. The more action that we're in, the more money you're going to have. And I don't mean drowning yourself in work 12 hours a day because I know people that do work 12 hours a day and make 50 bucks for the day. That's not cool. So spending your time wisely, carving out time that you're going to do specific things with zero distractions. And that way you will move forward, the money will build, and we'll be happy. So work smarter and better together. So I think that's a lot of what you've shared today, and I, I hope that people can hear that. Our next question that's really important is your message, Chantal. What message do you have to share with women today, as this is Woman Up? My message, I'm sure you guys can guess, it, it has to do with love. And so one thing that you even touched on, Adania, is saying hi to people, right? So sharing love, it doesn't have to be love or like in love or sexual love it's just love it just is it is the one thing in life that is an absolute right so i believe and i want all of you to hopefully embrace this and bring this into your heart is that it's okay to love yourself unapologetically and choose you and it's okay to love others even if you have no idea who they are just give and share love and through love we can change the world love it what are your social media handles where can people find you to connect with you awesome all over social media so instagram is chantelle underscore monteith underscore ceo uh and then on facebook at chantelle monteith and linkedin chantelle monteith i like to use all of those platforms i post lots about finance but also about motivation uh about my addiction as well and i would love to connect with all of you and any of you Chantal, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Like you filled my heart. You gave me some inspiration because, you know, money has been on the top of my stress lately, but now I feel better about it. And it's easier now because we talk about it. So thank you so much. I look forward to reconnecting with you. Until the next time, everybody, this is Woman Up. Woman Up. Woman Up. Thank you for listening to Woman Up. You can find all links and websites to our wonderful women in our show notes. We encourage you to connect and follow them. We are always looking for the next woman to share her story with us. To feature the women who inspire you, please contact us on Instagram at womanup, there's only one you.